Welcome, everybody, to Impact. We are so glad that you decided to hang out with us on, uh, on this uh, cold, cold Sunday. Um, it's, when does it start warming up? Like, when, okay, because I'm getting really tired of this cold stuff. But um, yeah, uh, Rob, could you get the, uh, one of the lights for me? Thank you, sir. And so welcome again to Impact Church. My name is Eric. If you, this is your first time here, so I'm so glad you guys are here. I have one quick announcement for you guys before we get started. We have ownership class coming up on February 21st, February 21st at 6.30. That's a Thursday. Um, here at Impact, we do not have members, but we have owners. The reason why we have owners is because members have rights. Owners have what? responsibilities. So um, the, the analogy we always use is if you go to the gym and the gym breaks, or the gym breaks, if, you go, if the whole gym breaks, don't go to that gym. If you go to the gym and the tremble breaks, you tell the front desk, hey, the tremble broke, can someone fix it? But if you own the gym, then you have to be part of the solution. So we want owners here at Impact Church. Um, so our next ownership class is February 21st at 6.30. It'll be at my house. You'll get free dinner. So you, you don't want to miss that. If you want, are interested in that, you can go to the Next Step table and sign up, or you can let myself or any of the staff know um, about that. So February 21st, love to see you guys there. We are starting a brand new series today called What Happy Couples Know, and I'm really excited about this series. Um, when, I was, when I first moved out during my, my bachelor days, the first house I lived in, um, I got the basement of that house, and the, the previous owners, they left their TV in the basement. It was this big TV, and it was pretty nice. So um, really, they just didn't want to move it, so they're like, you can have it. I'm like, okay, I'll take it. So after a couple months, um, I'm watching TV, and all of a sudden, the color changes, and it gets like dark. And I'm like, what happened? Like the TV, like something happened with the TV, it broke. So I'm like, what, what happened with this TV? So I go up to it, and I'm trying to fix all the wires, and none of that works. So I do what any of us would do. What do you do when your TV breaks? Wow, you hit it right there. And I did one hit, bam, and it fixed it. I was like, man, I know how to fix TVs now. This is an easy job. So I sit back down, I'm watching TV, everything's fine. Two months later, it happens again. I'm like, don't worry, I got it. I know how to fix this. I go back and bam, it fixes it again. This time, it didn't take another two months for it to happen again. It took about three weeks. And then I hit it and to fix it. Then another week later, I had to hit it like two times, three times to try to fix it. Before you know it, after six months of this first time this TV does this, I have to hit that TV so much it will not fix itself anymore. So I'm like, oh, great. I need to get a new TV. So I was like, I'm going to Google like some of this stuff and uh, Google like what maybe is wrong with this TV. And when I Googled it, Google told me, do not hit your TV, okay? You're not going to fix it. See, I thought I was fixing my TV by hitting it. I was actually making it worse. It was a temporary fix, but I was actually making it worse in the long run, and I had to go buy a new TV because I kept hitting it. So um, if you don't get anything out of today, don't hit your TV when it breaks, okay? Figure out what the solution is. But I think this analogy is pretty good for relationships, not the hitting part. Not the hitting part. I didn't, I didn't think that went through, actually. Um, not that part. But... For some, sometimes for us, when we're in relations, whether we're dating, whether we're engaged, whether we're married, we've been married for a long time, we see a little problem and we find a temporary solution and we think, it's fixed. We never have to worry about this ever again. And then all of a sudden, six months later, a year later, two years later, that same problem comes back up. And for a lot of us, we think, I thought we fixed this, but really, we didn't fix it. We just had a temporary fix to an actual bigger 
problem. So this series, this relationship series, whether you're in the room and you're single and you're hoping to be in a relationship one day, or you're dating, you're engaged, you're married, this relationship series um, can really help all of us. And here's how I know it can really make a big impact. No matter who you are, no matter how long you've been married for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, no matter who you are, it can make a huge impact. And I know that because I did not create this series. Two years ago, my wife and I, we learned about the concepts we're going to learn about throughout this series, and it completely changed our relationship. And there was nothing wrong with our relationship, but it made it so much better, and the concepts we learned were so, were so instrumental to helping us as a couple. So if you allow it today, I believe that these concepts that we're going to learn today, no matter who you are, will really dramatically change your relationships or your future relationships. So I'm so excited that you guys decided to hang out with us. I want to give you just a little warning today. We're not going to, we're more going to be to up the tension of what we're talking about. We're not going to be doing a lot of Bible today. In fact, I'm only doing two verses at the very end. But next week, we're going to talk about a passage in the Bible that is actually the most misquoted passage of the Bible that's used against Christianity when, when you really look at it, it actually not only shows the radical love that Jesus brought that changed our entire world, including our world today, but it actually is a great passage when it comes to relationships. So next week, we're going to really dig into a lot of Bible, but today we're just kind of setting up the tension. So here's what I want to explain to you guys. All of us, when it comes to our relationships, we have a, a box of hopes, dreams, and desires. When it comes to our relationships or our future relationships, we all have this invisible box of hopes, dreams, and desires, things that we hope for, things that we dream about, or desires that we have when it comes to our relationships. And we fill this box with many different things, and all of us have one of these boxes. Here's some things we fill it up with. Fill it up with this. How are we going to do the money when it comes to our relationships? Are we going to have a budget? I don't know if I want a budget. That sounds like an allowance. I don't know if I want that. Um, How much are we going to save? How much are we going to give away? How much can I spend? How much can you spend? How are we going to work with our money? We all have hopes and desires when it comes to that. And when it comes to the chores, who's going to do what? Who's going to do what chores? Who's going to do the dishes? Who's going to do the laundry? Who's going to do certain chores? You guys have, everyone has hopes and desires when it comes to that. How about this? What kind of house are you going to live in? You hope and dream about that house you're going to live in, and you might not live in it now, but one day you're going to live in that house. Maybe you want to live in the city. Maybe you want to live in the burbs. Maybe you want to live in a, in a, you want to rent. You don't want to own because if something breaks, you want someone else to fix it. Maybe you want to own a house one day. Maybe you want a big yard. Everyone has hopes, dreams, desires when it comes to where they live. When it comes to this, kids. Everyone has hopes, dreams, desires when it comes to kids, right? Some of you, your hopes, dreams, desires is to never have a kid. Some of you, you want a kid. Maybe some of you, you wanted a bunch of kids and you had one kid and you said, I'm never having any more kids. That was it for me. Um, We had three kids. That's all I wanted. I wanted a boy. We're going to try until we had a boy. That's what I thought. Um, Erica said, we're going to have three kids no matter what. Luckily, we had a boy, the third one. Um, I was actually at a, um, a party uh, last Sunday for my, um, my um, ex-head pastor of the church I used to work at, Pastor AJ, who's um, leaving. He's going to Maine uh, to pastor. And he has four kids currently. His youngest is eight. And they announced publicly that they're uh, expecting their fifth kid. And out loud, I accidentally went, why? <laughs> In this party. So my head, I'm like, why would you have that many kids? You were done with the diapers. What are you doing? But we all have hopes and desires when it comes to our kids. We all hope to desires when it comes to our time management, right? Like how many vacations you're going to do, what, how much guy time you're going to have, how much girl time you're going to have, how you're going to do your holidays, are you going to do every other holiday, are you going to do all the Christmas with this side and then Thanksgiving with this side? How are we going to do it? You have your hopes, dreams, desires when it comes to your time. Um, we have hopes, dreams, and desires when it comes to this, our vehicles, right? 
Some of you guys are like, I'm never going to have a minivan, right? I'm going to have that sports car forever. But sometimes you're like, you know what? I don't want a minivan. I'll do an SUV. That's how I'm going to settle. I'm always going to have certain cars. Hope changes ours when it comes to that. Um, we all have this when it comes to um, what we want our wives to not wear to bed. We all have hopes, dreams, and desires for that, right? Right? It's like, your wives think, oh, you, we, they just want me to be comfortable. That's not true, okay? So, hope, dreams, and desires when it comes to that kind of stuff. And then last one, hope, dreams, and desires when it comes to this, conflict resolution. How are you going to handle conflict? How are you going to handle conflict in your relationships? You have your hopes, dreams, and desires when it comes to that. I remember the first fight my wife and I got into, um, the, the first major fight when we were married. I, I don't even remember what it was about, but I remember we got home and I was ready to fight. Like, my, my way of conflict resolution is we're going to talk it out right now, and then we'll get past it, we'll figure out the solution to this, and then we'll be done with it. My wife doesn't like to do that. She needs to compose herself. She needs to go to a room by herself, think about it, because in the moment, she won't say what she wants to say, so she needs to go to a room by herself, think about it, and then come back and talk. I didn't know that. So we get into the house, and I'm ready. I'm ready to fight. And she goes to her room which is like an insult to me. That's like the worst thing you can do for me. So I'm so mad. I'm like, I am not texting her. I'm going to sit out here the whole night until she comes back out. Eventually, she comes back out when she was ready. She thinks everything's fine. And I'm really mad. The reason why is because my hopes, dreams, desires box when it came to conflict was different than hers. We all have these box of hopes, dreams, and desires. You might say, where does this come from? It comes from a couple things. It comes from what we see and what we hear. Come from like maybe a couple that you, that you really love and you see that couple and you're like, man, I want to be like that couple. So you make Hope Changes and Desires box based on that couple. Maybe it's the shows you watch. You want to find a Jack from This Is Us one day or you want to be that Jack. Let Just spoiler, he doesn't exist, okay? I watch that show. There's no person like that alive that's like Jack from This Is Us. So we have, sometimes because what we see in here or sometimes because what we've experienced Maybe you saw how your parents were, and you want to emulate that. You loved how your parents were. Or maybe you hated how your parents were, so you're trying to avoid that. But all of us, all of us create this box of hopes, dreams, and desires when it comes to our relationships. When it comes to our relationships. The problem with this box, the problem with this box is that there's one thing in the middle of this box, and it's me. These are my hopes. These are my dreams. And these are my desires. The reason I dated you, the reason that I proposed, the reason why I got engaged, the reason why I stayed married to you is because you fit in my box. And I thought you could help me fulfill this box of my hopes and my dreams and my desires. But here's where the big problem comes. We all have this box. And when we get married or we get into a relationship, we hand it off to the next person. But they don't receive this box as hopes, dreams, and desires. No, they receive it as this. Expectations. Here's what I'm expected to do now. Here's my expectations. Here's the definition of expectations. Expectations are a strong belief that something will happen or will be the case in the future. It's a strong belief that something will happen eventually or will be the case in the future. It becomes responsibilities now. These hopes and desires that you have, you hand it off, and now your partner, your spouse, receive it as responsibilities as a homework assignment. You might think, you know what, one day we're going to get to this point where, where we're doing it this way. Expectations, a strong belief that something will happen or will be the case in the future. The problem with handing this box over, which creates expectations to your partner, the problem is expectations creates a debt-debtor relationship. It creates a debt-debtor relationship. Let me explain what that means. A debt-debtor relationship. It means that you owe me now. See, this is the box that I've been dreaming about since I was a little kid. 
This is the box that I have. Now here's my box. You owe me to fulfill this box for me. You owe it to me. You owe me kids. You owe me to stay within the budget. You owe me time management. You owe me the right car. You owe me this. And I owe you because I have your box now. So now it creates a debt-debtor relationship where now we owe each other. Let me ask you a question. How much appreciation do you show to somebody, do you express to somebody that pays you what they owe you? How much appreciation do you express to somebody that pays you what you feel they owe you? The answer is very little. Think about it this way. Um, if, if you order pizza, you pay an extra charge for delivery and you give them a tip, how appreciative are you, are, are you of the delivery person? Very little. Why? Because you paid for it. They owe that to you. That's part of it. And the problem is when we give this to our spouse or to our partner, when we give this to them, it creates expectations and creates a debt-debt relationship where now I owe her and she owes me. I remember when Eric and I first got married, this came into play right away. I I just assumed that when it came to like some of the chores at the house, that I would do the trash. When trash day came, I would go around and get all the trash. When trash needed to be taken out, I would take it out. And when it came to laundry, that my wife would do the laundry. I just assumed it, okay? And here's why I assumed that. Because at my house, when I grew up, my dad always did the trash until we got old enough, and then we did had to do the trash. He passed on to us. But my mom always did the laundry. My dad doesn't know how to do laundry. My mom always did the laundry. So when I got to my house, when, when we got married, I just assumed it. I said, this, this was my box. Here you go. And very quickly, we found out, no, 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 that's not how it's going to work in this house. Expectations, it creates a debt debtor relationship. We rarely express gratitude for something we already come to expect. We rarely do that. And the problem with a debt-debtor relationship is that it eliminates the possibility of unconditional love. It eliminates the possibility of it. You cannot have unconditional love with it. OU eliminates love you. In an environment where there are expectations, where they owe you and you owe them, in that environment, you cannot see love or express love. Because you're always trying to get to that point of, the, of expectations. I'm always trying to do what I can. And if I get to this point where you're expecting me to be, then we're even. But I can never seem to get enough. I can never seem to get over it. In fact, I rarely feel like I get to that point. Expectations creates a debt-debtor relationship. So we have our box that we all have and we hand it off to our partner. It creates expectations. When two eyes get together, I and I get together, there's a couple things that happens. We pass these boxes off. Here's what happens. When eyes get together, here's an option. Sometimes we leave. We pass this box off and we look at the box and go, you know what? I did not agree to this box. This is not the box I wanted. I don't want this box. I don't fit inside this box. I don't want anything to do with this box, so I'm out of here. And we leave. And when we leave, what we end up doing is we take our box of hope, dreams, and desires and we take it to the next relationship. We say, here you go. We pass it back on. Sometimes when two eyes get together, we leave. Number one. Number two, sometimes when two eyes get together, we win. We win. See, in a lot of relationships, there's one person that's more dominant than the other. And so sometimes they will win. They'll say, listen, listen, honey, listen, babe. Um, you, I understand you have your own box, but you have the wrong box. This is the right box, okay? You convince them, you guilt them, like, hey, your box looks like your parents' box. You really want to be like your parents? No. Let's work out of my box together, and we'll be able to do that. You control the situation. Sometimes we win. There's one of us that wins. We might be more dominant personality, so we win. And now, and that person who wins, guess what? You're happy. You think your relationship's great. You know why? Two people are working out of your box. So you're happy. Things are great. 
But on the flip side of that, when Isaac did that number three, we conform. If one person wins, the other one has to give in. The other one has to conform. And you might say, okay, well, you know what? I want to respect them, so they really want to work in this box. They, they've convinced me that it's the right box. So I'm going to take my box. I'm going to put it over to the side, and we're going to work out of this box. That's what happens. And here's what happens when we conform in that situation. We become somebody we're not to conform to somebody who won't. We become somebody we're not to conform to somebody who won't love us is what we're really doing. That's what we do. We abandon who we are to make the other person happy. Say, you know what? And for the sake of this marriage, I am going to work out of your box to keep everyone happy. And this will work. One person winning, one person conforming. It will work for a little bit. But you've seen this and I've seen this. I've seen those people. I've seen that woman who was, who was working out of her husband's box for 20 years and all of a sudden they get divorced and you're like, what happened? Was there infidelity? Was there, no, there was nothing. They just got tired of working out of the other person's box. And they go and they go and start living this other life. And you're like, that wasn't the person you, I saw when you were married. The reason why is because they weren't even the right person. So they say, you know what? I'm out of here. I take my box of hope and desires and I'm going to make sure this gets lived out now. So I've been wasting too much time conforming to your box. I've seen that happen and you've seen that happen. Number three, we conform when eyes get together. And then the last one, number four, which is what most of us think is, is the point of marriage and the secret to marriage. When eyes get together, number four, we compromise. We compromise. We compromise. Most of us think this is the goal. So we say, okay, you know what? I have a box and you have a box. I'm going to take a little bit out of my box and put it in this box. You're going to take a little bit out of your box and put it in this box. And we'll make a brand new box, half of my hopes, half of your hopes. We compromise. That's what a lot of us do. This isn't necessarily bad. Here's a problem with compromising. We, what happens is we take a little bit of our box and their box and make a new box, and we agree to the terms, and we figure out, okay, how are we going to make this work? And it becomes contractual. That's what it becomes. Hey, didn't we agree that we would do every other for, for um, holidays? We went to your side last year. We're going to go to my side this year. We agreed to that, right? Remember? We agreed to that. Hey, didn't we agree that whoever made, the dinner, whoever made dinner did not to do dishes? We agreed on that, didn't we? Didn't we agree that you would, do the, you would do the trash so that way I'll do the laundry? Didn't we agree to that? Didn't we agree that you would stay within a certain budget? We agreed to that, right? And here's what we're doing. We're doing whatever we can to help them with their box. We make sure that our box is being fulfilled. That's what compromising is. And the problem with compromising is it creates low trust. It does. Because we're always trying to protect ourselves. We're always trying to protect our box. So it creates low trust. And when we have low trust, we have low intimacy. For you single people in the room, you wonder the secret to intimacy? It has nothing to do with physical. It has everything to do with trust. That's the secret to intimacy. It's all about trust. You will not give yourself fully to somebody you don't fully trust. In fact, you cannot give yourself fully to somebody you don't fully trust. If you want intimacy in your marriage, it is fueled by trust. And compromising doesn't create trust. It actually creates low trust. Because compromising is fueled by commitment to the wrong thing. It's a commitment to the relationship. Which you might say, that's, that's, we should be committed to that, right? Like, you should be committed to your marriage, right? And, and that sounds great, right? I've heard, you've heard people say, I'm committed to marriage. And I'm all for marriage. I think you should try to stay married for your entire life. I, I think that's what you should do. I'm all for marriage. But I don't want my wife to be committed to my marriage, I want her to be committed to me, not my marriage. And when you compromise, you're committed to the marriage. You know what? Throw anyone in there. I'll be, I can be married to them because I want to be married. I don't want her to be committed to the marriage. I want to be committed to me. And some of you are thinking, 
I've known my whole life compromising. That's what's wrong with compromising. And, and let me make this straight. There's nothing wrong with compromising. And it will work. In fact, you can make it to the end. You can become old together and have grandkids together through compromising. It will work. I just believe there's a better way than compromising. And I think God's word says there's a better way than compromising. Because here's what I know. When eyes get together, we may leave, we may win, we may conform, we may compromise. But at the end of the day, when eyes get together, we loses. We loses. That's what happens. So what do we do? What do we do with this box then? Because we have this box, hope, dreams, desires, and that we all have and we give to our spouse. What do we do with this box? I mean, when it comes to our conflict resolution, we just say, you know what, however you want to handle conflict, that's what we'll do. I'll just always try to be nice with you. Wear whatever you want to bed. None of that ever matters, right? Um, when it comes to time, we'll spend every holiday with you. I'll never have guy time. I'll never have girl time ever again. Who needs that? Um, who needs to live indoors, right? We'll just live wherever you want to live. I don't need kids. It doesn't matter. The kids don't matter to me. I'll drive any car you want. I'll drive the minivan if you want me to. I'll do all the chores. It doesn't matter. And who needs money? I don't need any money. We won't worry about money. Is that what we do? Do we take, what do we do with this box? Because this box is God-given. All of us have this box. There's nothing wrong with having this box. This box is made up of great things that shows the image of God in your life. There's nothing wrong with this box. So what do we do if when we give it, it becomes expectations, which creates a debt-debtor relationship? What do we do with this box? The simple answer is we keep the things in our box. We keep it in our box. That's the simple answer. You might say, how in the world do you do that? I'm going to tell you the answer to that next week. But I'll give you a little taste today, okay? This is all I'm telling. I'm only setting up tension today. So you want to come back next week to really figure out the answer to this. But here's the answer to that question, how do we keep everything in our box, is the answer to this next question. We have to understand this, this next question before we can answer how we keep it in the box. And here's the question. What do they owe you? Your partner, your spouse, what do they owe you? I know the answer to this question because I know happy couples and happy couples know the answer to this question. You want to hear the answer? What do they owe you? The answer to this, what happy couples know is nothing. What do they owe you? Nothing. Happy couples know that they owe each other everything and aren't owed anything in return. Let me say it again. Happy couples know that they owe each other everything and aren't owed anything in return. And you might say, that makes no sense. And I would say, I agree. But you know what else doesn't make any sense? Happy couples don't make sense. I mean, think about it. I know couples that go through terrible trauma, that go through a death in the family, that go through hardships, that go through bad things, and they're still happy. Why? That doesn't make any sense, does it? Happy couples don't make sense. I know happy couples that don't have a big house, that don't make a lot of money. I'm like, how are you happy? You don't have a lot of stuff. They're happy because they know the answer to this question. What do they owe you? Nothing. Happy couples know that they owe each other everything and they aren't owed anything in return. They live under the assumption that they owe each other everything and they don't expect anything in return. Let me give you some examples of this. Maybe your spouse, maybe you always do the dishes. And your spouse comes up to you and goes, hey, I am so appreciative of the fact that you're doing the dishes. And you might say, 
well, I always do the dishes because, again, that's expectations. I always do the dishes. That's part of my... No, I know you always do the dishes, but I never expect you to do the dishes, but you're doing them again. I am so appreciative of the fact that you are doing these dishes again. Thank you for doing that. It changes everything. Hey, thank you so much for taking the trash out again. Well, it's Sunday. I always take the trash out. Trash goes out on Sundays. I know, but you don't owe me trash. You don't owe this to me, but you're doing it anyways. I am so appreciative of the fact that you're taking the trash out. Thank you for doing that. You want to break the debt-debtor relationship? It's gratitude. Gratitude will break that. You might say, where does this come from? Where does this idea come from? Actually, funny you ask, it comes from the Bible. It comes from what Jesus says. We talked about this um, a couple weeks ago, John chapter 14. Jesus, he took the 600 commandments that were found in the Old Testament, he narrowed it down to two, and then he took those two and he narrowed it down to one, one easy to remember commandment that he tells his disciples right before he's about to go on the cross and die. In John chapter 14, verse 12, he says, love each other as I have loved you. We talked about this two weeks ago. Love each other as I have loved you. This radical way of loving, because Jesus gave up everything for his people. Love each other as I have loved you. We give up everything for you and for me. And then Paul takes this and he applies it to our relationships, including our relationships with our, with our boyfriend, girlfriends, our fiancés, and our husbands and wives. Our, we take this relationship and he says this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2. Here's what he says. Walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us. Because Christ gave up everything for us. This idea of owing each other everything and not expecting anything in return, it comes from Jesus' example. Walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. So when you take this idea and this concept of what they owe each other, what happy couples know is they owe each other nothing. When you take this idea and concept, what it begins to look like is what we're going to talk about next week. A submission competition. That's what it looks like. So as I close, we're not going to do anything like Frank's not going to come up and play behind me to make me sound more spiritual than I really am. We're not going to do a closing song. We're not going to do anything. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a very just basic ending here, and then I want you to go home and, and think about these. There's two questions. In fact, if you have your impact, um, impact cards, which are in your bulletins, which, again, you can always grab a binder right out there if you want one. It helps you take notes easier. Back there, we normally give you things to do every day of the week. This week, I only give you two questions because I want you to wrestle with these two questions this week. Here are the two questions. One, what is in your box? And two, have you handed it off to someone else? I think for some of us, the problem is we all have a box. We just don't know what's in it. We don't understand what our box is. So this week, I want you to wrestle with what is in this box. When it comes to your expectations, when it comes to your hopes, dreams, desires, when it comes to money, your your kids, your time, conflict resolution, chores, anything, what is in your box? And then, have you handed it off to somebody else? If so, how have you done that? Now, don't ask this question to your spouses. I don't want you to talk about it with your spouses this week, okay? It's going to be hard, I know. Don't talk about it with them. Okay? Because I know it can happen very easily. You've been giving me your box all this time. I get it. Don't talk to them about it. I want you to think about it for you because too many of us are not self-aware enough to start. We have to be self-aware first. So this week, I want you to wrestle with those two questions. And next, we're going to pick up right where we left off. We're going to figure out what do we do with our box and how do we apply this concept of owing each other everything but not expecting anything in return. That's what we're going to do next week. So I highly recommend you bring somebody next week 
because it's very practical and it's no matter who they are, if they, especially they're in a relationship, they can learn a lot from this. It changed Eric and I's relationship and I'm hoping it will change some of your relationships as well. So what is in your box and have you handed it off to someone else? Can we pray? Dear God, I thank you for being the model of love for us, for loving us in a radical way, for loving us right where we are and giving us everything. Pouring yourself out for us. Thank you for sending your son to be that example of love to us. I pray for everyone in this room, whether whether they're, they're single and they're hoping for a relationship one day, whether they're dating and they're hoping for engagement one day, whether they're getting ready for marriage, whether they've been married for a year, two years, five years, 10 years, 20 years. I just pray that you help them throughout this entire month to start to become self-aware of our box of hope, dreams, and desires and how we've passed it on. God, I pray that you help us to do the necessary work that we're going to talk about this entire series to change the dynamic of our relationships from a debt-debtor relationship to one of mutual submission. I thank you for the people in this room. I pray that you just be with them, protect them this week. Help us to figure out what is in our box and help us to figure out if we've handed it off to someone else. We love you, we praise you. In your son's name, amen. Amen, guys. All right, guys, a couple things before you, before you head out of here. Again, ownership class will be coming up. If you want to sign up for that, you can go um, out there to the next steps and sign up for that. If you want to sign up for impact groups, our groups just started back up this week. So if you're looking to get into a smaller community, I highly recommend you sign up for one of those. We have five different groups happening um, right now, so make sure you do that. And if it's your first time here, you can go right to the welcome tent. There'll be somebody back there, um, and you can t- hang out hand in your connection card, and we will donate $2 on your behalf to the local organization. And if this is your second time here, make sure you go back there and grab a t-shirt for coming. Thank you guys so much for coming. We hope to see you guys back next week for part two of What Happy Couples Know.